Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. Happy after Thanksgiving if you live here in the United States. I hope your belly is full and you had some positive family time. Uh, <laughs> I said positive family time. My my daughter is in the hospitality industry and she used to work at a kind of a neighborhood bar when she lived in Illinois. And their busiest night of the year was the night before Thanksgiving. And my theory was that it was all these people home for Thanksgiving and they were like, yeah, we need a drink. So I don't know if that was true or not, but she said they were packed that night. Hopefully you had positive family time. As a reminder, I'll be doing another round of Land Your Dream Job Accelerator come January. I've put that link in the show notes. You can find more information out, find out the specific start date. That's a four-week program. Hope you'll join us. So today, we're going to talk about people-pleasing in the workplace from a very interesting angle. Amy and I were just speaking about this is unique, a unique framework for her to talk about it. My guest today is Amy Green-Smith, and as you all know, you faithful listeners, I don't have guests very often, so I hope that you know when I do that it's a really good one, and I think today is going to be no exception to that. So Amy, thank you so much for coming. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. It's going to be a good one. Why don't you start by telling the folks something about yourself? Sure. I prefer scotch whiskey over (laughs) bourbon. Do you want that? (laughs) You go wherever you want to go, girl. That sort of information. So I'm a Taurus and I'm a four on the Enneagram. I'm trying to think. Also, the work that I do in the world is really around two major components, an internal element of anchoring into your self-worth, believing that you matter, believing that you are enough, and then the external component of, okay, if I do believe in my own intrinsic worthiness, how does that inform my relationships, specifically in the realm of communication. So what does that look like to establish boundaries or have a difficult conversation, to ask for a raise or ask an adult child to move out of the house? Like there are all of these very difficult conversations that we come up against that we haven't really been educated around or how to participate in those from a powerful lens. So I love that field, and it also is directly tied to the concept of people-pleasing, because one of the reasons why we tend to not speak up for ourselves is because we're so invested in the opinions of other people, Mm -hmm. and we can definitely see that amplify in the workplace as well. So that's what I do in my corner of the the interwebs. Do you find this topic 
it's a couple parts I want to, does it resonate more with women? Do you find that you have more women clients? Are women more guilty of the people-pleasing piece or is that a myth? No, that is, that's 100% true. I personally only work with women or those who are presenting. So I don't engage with that as much. I definitely think that men have a pull to people, please, but they don't have a societal pressure the way that women do Hmm. because of what we've been told about our roles in specifically in the US. And I know it, it filters many places, but at least here that we've had a lot of messaging around caretaking that you are innately wired that way. And that's completely a fallacy and been pushed into roles that are basically being a yes woman and making Mm. sure that we caretake for absolutely everybody else in our lives. So I think one of the things that happens disproportionately again for women is having a subsequent speaking up guilt trip afterwards, Mm. where Mm -hmm. if you do ask for the raise or if you do say, hey, that really made me uncomfortable in that meeting, then we go into a whole self deflating, did I make the right decision? And am I asking too much? Am I rocking the boat? We have all these idioms to basically Mm -hmm. say, stay quiet. So yes, hugely disproportionately affects women. And one of the things that I teach my clients, and I've talked about on the podcast before, is that decision-making is a two-step process. Whether you're a woman, a man, or whatever, you decide. So whether, you know, you decide to ask for a a 15% raise. And then you decide that you made the right decision because what we so often fall down on is we make the decision and then we waffle. And not only does that not get us what we want if we're presenting that indifferentness to our boss, I like to think of it from the universe going, we don't know how to support. We want to conspire in her favor. We just can't figure out what she really wants because she is not clear in that and she is not putting that out in the world in a clearly actionable way. And I think one of the things you're talking about here too is what I refer to as the cognitive override. It's where we ignore intuitive pulls or intuitive hits and we lean on things like logic and reason and rationale, which we know is a very small percentage of the mind's function. A majority of our mind's function is from the subconscious the factor of the mind, which has all of our emotions and our habits and our belief systems. That's what's really running the show. So it's it's interesting to look at this and think about how so often we have intuitive pulls. We have hits of, ooh, that doesn't seem so great. Or I don't know if this is the best fit for me or that rubbed me the wrong way. And then we talk ourselves out of it. <laughs> of like you cognitively override it. And we go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And we make ourselves wrong. Like you're asking too much. You're mm-hmm. being too sensitive. And we usually layer, layer on a narrative that women have been maligned with for centuries. You're hysterical. You're too emotional. You're too sensitive. And honey, we all are. (laughs) We know that's how we make major decisions. It's all based off of emotion, but we demonize that in our culture. So there's a lot that's at play here. That's so interesting because I'm reminded of a podcast that I listened to that I'm a huge fan of true crime podcasts. I've talked about that. Same. So I listened to, I listened to my favorite murder. Oh, girl. Are you familiar? Okay. Their phrase, and I don't cuss on. You and I had a conversation earlier. Yes. And I cuss. And I'm like, we don't cuss. So I will say (laughs) it is 
their phrase is F politeness because yes. the so many women have gotten into that car, walked yes. home with that guy because everything in their body was telling them this is a bad idea, but they were trying to be polite. They were trying to be nice. They were trying to be what society wanted them to be. And they ended up in the worst possible way. And so that could yeah. happen at that end of the extreme where you end up no longer alive, but it can happen in much smaller ways that are very, still very significant in your life, your career trajectory, et cetera. And that's a really great point too, Lisa, is that there are reasons why we are pulled and compelled to people please and to acquiesce. Obviously, we've talked about our societal influences, but there's also a very primitive reason why we are pulled to people, please. So if, if you even look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. for example, one of our basic primitive human needs is for one of belonging. Mm-hmm. That stems from our primitive ancestors who had to belong to a group, an organized group for survival. There yes. was no tribe of one. So you do lean on the community in order to get your needs met. So now that has translated into, oh my gosh, I need Susie in accounting to think that I'm amazing or else I might not survive. Or my in-laws or my kid's fiance. I need them to like me. I need them to love me in order to survive. And so what we're conflating is this idea of People pleasing somebody will keep me safe. And for many of us, we can look back to our childhoods and see that exemplified. If you had a very abusive caregiver or parent, it's likely that you learned how to be with that aggression by people pleasing or walking on eggshells or making sure that they are always taken care of. So there is a very real element here of noticing when people-pleasing may actually be a huge benefit to you in order to stay alive, right? (laughs) In order to take care of yourself. Yeah, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me the most when you and I initially talked was this idea, because I think I had painted people-pleasing in a very negative light, like it's always bad. And you brought up this Mm -hmm. concept of self-preservation, but in the current day, right? Because I get it from... Back in the day, right? Sure. I always call it the mastodon at the mouth of the cave, right? We still, our primitive brain still thinks there's a mastodon at the mouth of our cave, even though there are no mastodons and we don't live in caves anymore. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the difference between self-preservation for people pleasing for self-preservation purposes and specifically in the workplace and then people pleasing because you don't value yourself enough. How do you know where that line is and how do you walk that appropriately? That is going to differ depending on each and every situation. Oftentimes I'll say that's why it's called personal development because it's personal. (laughs) And there are so many nuances to this. But I think what's important to understand is we will lean on a behavior like perfectionism, like accomplishment, or like people pleasing. And sometimes it is a detriment to us, meaning it's stifling our happiness. And then sometimes it's exactly what we need to do in order to stay safe. So I'll give you an example. Years and years ago, I was working in a corporate environment where I was working for a prestige makeup brand and I was a corporate trainer and traveled a lot and 
was dying a slow death <laughs> and realizing that that I wanted to make some changes. However, this company was phenomenal to work for as far as the benefits and the tuition reimbursement. So I wanted to get my degree basically on the house. Like I did not want to have to pay anything for school. But I was also miserable and I didn't like doing the job that I was doing and I didn't like with the people that I was working for. But I learned that if I can fly under the radar and just tell them what they want to hear, and in in essence, people please, I can get my needs met. I can get what I wanted, which was to deal with that less conducive workplace environment in service of something greater for myself. So I was motivated from a place of preserving Amy and her future and what I wanted. As opposed to if I was constantly trying to make everyone else happy, constantly acquiescing to everybody and not voicing my opinion because I needed that validation in order to believe in my own value. That's the discernment. Am I actually trying to make this person view me in a specific way because it's my livelihood and I need this bonus or I need this job? Or is it, I don't believe that I matter or that I'm valuable unless I get this external validation. So it's essentially, am I outsourcing my self-worth or is this in service of me meeting a need for myself? I love that distinction. I think along with that is then, you know, that what I talked about, that decision-making being a two-step process. Deciding that you made the right decision, because I think the real tendency in that situation is to then begin complaining about all the things about the job that you don't like, but bringing it back around to, here's what I'm getting out of this. Here's the benefit. I like why I'm doing this. I'm ch- I chose this. That's a really important one. Gets you out yes. of that victim mentality, right? Which I think, to me, victim mentality is like people-pleasing food. Am I wrong? Yeah. And it also gets, you get to be locked into inaction. So you don't have to do anything. You just get to stay in your victimhood and blame everyone else. And so it's a, it has a luxury in the sense that you don't have to do anything, but you're miserable. Yeah. Wow. So I love the example that you gave about getting your degree, getting those credentials. What can you see as some other reasons that you might choose to people please in the workplace for the right reason? Sure. It could be that you specifically go out of your way to befriend someone or connect with them because you know that could be a really great alliance to have down the road. Maybe they work in HR or there's... it a way that they could help promote you. I think it's important to recognize is any of the behavior that I'm employing something that goes against my core value system? Being kind and being friendly doesn't go against my value system, right? (laughs) Like that's a method of winning friends and influencing people basically that Mm -hmm. could that feels in alignment with my values. Now, it wouldn't feel in alignment for me to shower them with a bunch of gifts if that if I really don't like them at all. But being kind to somebody is definitely going to be in alignment for me as far as could this make my job easier? 
You could get really granular with, if I help this person out with this project, then maybe it'll be easier for me the next time around. With law of reciprocity, people naturally want to help give back if you've given to them. So there's lots of kind of cards you can play. And I'm sure you probably have experience with seeing this, like where clients of yours made the distinct decision to stay with an organization or to deal with a horrible boss for a short term. It's usually not something that's long-term sustainable in order to get other things in their life. I've had a client who did that very consciously in a relationship. I'm going to stay in this relationship that I'm not happy in for these other payoffs that were more important. So again, Mm -hmm. it really does come down to your value system and what feels in integrity to you. I love that distinction about when to stay and when to leave a job. And I was working with a client recently and she was in a pretty untenable situation and we were working on that job transition. And one of the options that I gave her was what I call a bridge job, right? So a bridge job is it has a purpose. It's getting me out of the situation because there's a reason. I'm not just running away. I have a purpose in mind. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to make money. I'm going to whatever. And she thought about that for a while. And she said, what if I decided that my current job is my bridge job? And I was like, tell me more. Tell me everything. And she, she got it right away that she could reframe her experience because she was making good money. I don't remember the specifics. But she she could take that time that she would be spending looking for a bridge job and be looking for the real job that she wants, right? She doesn't have to, you know, have a, a stop along the way. She can go from what she's in to the next great opportunity. And there was some learning that she could grab a hold of and, and, and take advantage of and all of those things. So she decided to look at her current situation as a bridge job. And that made sense for her. Yes. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a mindset shift. That's the only thing that, from what I'm hearing, that's the only thing that shifted was her mindset. Absolutely. She decided that she was going to stay in that job. And one of the things that I would say while I was getting my bachelor's degree, I was getting a ton of different coaching certifications paid for through my company at the time. I would tell myself, this is funding my escape. This is funding my escape. Mm-hmm. Because it really quite literally was. And then something that my my husband would say to me is, because he knew that it was an incredible dichotomy to be working and coaching on my days off, trying to build a business. And then the other five days, I was in a very superficial sort of career where we're talking about this season's handbags and how does that correlate with makeup? (laughs) And then I'm talking about people's biggest fears and their shame and on the other days. So I thought about how it's so easy for me to be the woman that I want to be at coaching conventions or when I'm with a bunch of like-minded folks doing our hippie stuff. But it is a challenge to my character to be the woman I want to be in the midst of an environment that doesn't foster that. So I started looking at those days that were not fun and were not something that I wanted to be doing as as a character building opportunity. So my husband would always say, how is the character building today? Mm -hmm. And it was a way to reframe because I definitely, don't get me wrong, I got a little elitist. I got self-help, I call that one self-help goes bad. 
<laughs> where I was starting to be a bit elitist about, oh, you guys are so superficial. <laughs> Here I am acting greater than. So there was a lot of room for me to still learn lessons. And then I do think you get to a point where you're walking around in a red flag. It's not like they're just on the outskirts. The cost of staying becomes mm-hmm. too great. And that's going to be different for every single person. Yeah, I think to your point, what I see with clients who, let's say they want to start their own business or even they want to get in a new job, it's that light at the end of the tunnel that makes the current situation more bearable, right? They're making, whether it's forward momentum towards growing that business to the point where it's sustainable or they're making progress in their job search. They feel they tend to let go of some of the the lesser issues around the workplace. There's a, again, there's that light at the end of the tunnel and it, it's not the oncoming train. And it's, it, and for me, I'm such a spitfire that I wanted to fight about everything. And I was like, God, I'm making my job really hard by trying to do like too many hills to die on. Do I want all these hills to die on? No. So I had to get really clear of like in the grand scheme of Amy Greensmith's life, How hard do I want to fight about this tiny spreadsheet situation with my boss? Like, how hard do I want to fight about this Mm -hmm. when I see that this is going to be temporary, when I've crafted a plan specifically to escape, right? Yeah. So I love that. You you have to pick your battles. (laughs) Absolutely. Definitely. So let's talk about the flip side, and we've alluded to it some, but I want you to go into a little bit more depth about some specific situations at work where you would be people-pleasing for the wrong reasons. Ooh. Yeah. Again, I think this is going to be something that is pretty intuitive. It's that you are doing something ill-intended basically Mm -hmm. where it's this is where like greed comes in this is where you're being a little bit malicious or you're being manipulative Mm -hmm. or things like that and I feel like most of us have a little compass have that intuition that pops up and says hey this doesn't quite feel right so obviously anything where you are lying or being dishonest where you're saying saying that somebody did something that they didn't or vice versa in order to gain favor. So I think recognizing that you're trying to get your self-worth in some way through that process, as opposed to showing up and being your powerful, authentic self. It could also be where you are feigning interest in things and you're essentially selling false goods, right? Where If that person were to find out that you aren't being honest or of integrity, that would be harmful to them in some way. Mm -hmm. So I think that little checks and balances can be really helpful. I'm curious if you're thinking of specific scenarios where it could be really detrimental. Actually, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking about personal relationships because when you're talking about romantic relationships, If you are all about the people-pleasing early on, someday the real Amy Greensmith, the real Lisa Edwards is going to show up and the other person is going to be like, who are you? So you're, false goods is a, selling false goods is a great way of putting it. 
you are going to show up as you. And, and it, even if you don't, and someday you're going to get tired of being somebody that you're not. I love there's a, it's a church that's near where I live and they have, it's like a storefront where they have like where they keep the kids. And there's okay. a little sign in the door that I have to walk by it to go get my pizza. That's why I know this. And it says, <laughs> be yourself. Everyone else is already taken, right? right? So it's that concept of how does that feel that you're in, and, and it, it creates fear, right? It's, it comes from lack of self-confidence, self-worth. And then it breeds fear because you're afraid the other person is going to find out who the real you is, which keeps making you even less in integrity with yourself. And then one day you show up as you and it's probably all over at that point because they don't know who you are. The the stranger has just showed up in front of them. And the same thing can happen at work if you're doing it for manipulation and trying to get somebody to like you. And as opposed to, okay, we're in here together, let's get along, let's, you know, help each other do the best job we can, all of those kinds of reasons. And it's, yeah, it's, I would guess that it's not typically insidious. Nobody sets out to be a people pleaser, to be a big liar. (laughs) Yeah, I had a colleague who, she would drop an F-bomb in there, but she would say people pleasers are liars. And that there's something to that, right? So when we're talking about it through self-preservation, yeah, we might be selling a specific scenario. Every time we do interviews, we do this, right? Here's the shiniest version of me. And there's a reason why, because we need a job, we need a livelihood. But I think when we're talking about our personal life too, most of us, when we say we want rich, deep friendships, we don't want a bunch of liars. I had to tell my husband when I would say, I genuinely want to know what you think of this outfit. It's not a trap. I promise (laughs) you, it's not a trap. And I'm like, I know you've been trapped before by telling the truth. I want to know if I'm going to go out looking like a hayseed. Like, I need to know. And so it took him a while to go, oh, I'm allowed. It's safe, actually, for me to be honest with her or to speak up with her. Most of the time, what we want to attract to ourselves is authentic humans. I recently had a discussion with a client of mine who gets so frustrated with her sister because her sister is always saying, what do you want to do? Or yeah, whatever Mm -hmm. you want is fine. And then she'll shapeshift around various different types of relationships. So this client of mine is, I feel like she just, I don't know who she really is. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you're around someone who's a bit of a charlatan. And now I can see, wow, I know that stems from hurt. A lot of times that stems from childhood stuff. Again, we did that to stay safe around maybe a volatile partner or parent. But now we're seeing that, okay, this is not the situation where people pleasing is actually in my favor. Now it's hindering me. Now I'm not having rich work relationships or rich friendships or attracting available individuals into my love life. Mm-hmm. So it really does have a cyclical effect. Yeah. And so I oftentimes will say, be the person you want to attract. If you yes. want to attract a bunch of people pleasers, then by all means. <laughs> Go right ahead. And I agree. I have said people pleasers are liars for years. And the other yeah. thing that they are, they're People pleasing in an effort to manipulate another person's emotions about them. And the fallacy there is that we can 
manipulate other people's opinions of us. And we mm-hmm. cannot. That is their model. That is their life. I would, in fact, I was having to have that conversation with myself this morning about someone who has clearly decided I'm not the right fit for her. And we used to be, I thought, fairly close. And as COVID and some things happened, I had to say, that's okay. She's allowed to do that. She's allowed to reject my offer to go to lunch with her. And that's her, that's on her. It has nothing to do with me, actually. And letting that go. But when we try to people please, it's because we are trying to manipulate them into thinking a certain, thinking favorably of us. And it's just not going to work. Yes. And I think if you tend to be one of those folks, give yourself a huge dose of compassion because no one sets out to be like, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to lie to everyone and I'm going to manipulate them into feeling something. And I'm just going to be a big people pleaser and it's going to be amazing. No, nobody does that, right? Like it's stuff that we developed again because society, family, Mm -hmm. what was modeled for us, our patriarchal influence, all of that stuff contributes to how we show up and how we behave. In fact, one of the things I say all the time to my clients is, what would a cishet, middle-aged white man do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What would he say to the email or in that work meeting? Or would he feel like he has to put all these exclamation marks and emojis? No, he would just say, I'm not available. And but there's a reason, right? There's You're laughing because I'm just picturing this dude like smiley face, heart. Yeah. It just isn't going to, it does not happen. No. It doesn't because typically men are not conditioned to caretake for how everything they do lands on the other person the way women are. Mm. We are responsible or we're told that we're responsible for how everything we do affects everyone else. And I have a sort of a metaphor that I would love to share with you all. Please. And it's a concept that I developed specifically around worth. Because one of the things that gets conflated here is emotions. Because when someone doesn't approve of us or doesn't like our suggestion or whatever it is, that comes with a feeling, an an associated feeling, disappointment, sadness, rejection, and that doesn't feel good. So we're naturally going to be running towards things that feel better to us. So if we can untangle what we feel If we get all these accolades, oh, that must mean I'm worthy. If we can untangle our emotions from our worth, we can start seeing things a lot more pragmatically. So the metaphor is this. You think about your life as a house. And in this house, you have all of these various rooms. You have the stuff that you show to everyone. And then there's the closets that you're like, please don't look in there. That's all of our issues, our mom stuff and all of that. And then we have folks who will come into our lives who will either leave us a giant pile of crap, like literal poo, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on our doorstep. And that is like receiving rejection, not getting the job, not getting the investor, being not getting the promotion, whatever it is, someone not loving us, asking for a divorce, etc., And then we get to decide, okay, wow, that stinks. Emotionally, that hurts. But I'm not going to bring that into my home. Mm. I'm going to acknowledge, oh, wow, 
that does not feel good. I don't like that. But I, it's not going to change the value of this home. And conversely, if people come along and drop off gorgeous, beautiful gifts on your porch, that's like getting the promotion, getting the job, getting the investor. And or the love, someone saying that they love you or welcome to the family or whatever. Then we take that feeling that feels amazing and good and blissful and happy. And then we go, oh, I, that must mean I'm worthy. No, you can bring that gift inside. Maybe it's a nice vase or some champagne, but it's not going to change the value of the home. But it feels good. So we can absolutely say, hey, more of that. So that means I enjoy, I'm allowed to enjoy the commendations. I'm allowed to relish my successes and celebrate my accomplishments. But that does not mean that I must be worthy. It just means it feels good or it feels uncomfortable to be rejected. So keeping in mind, my worth is unshakable. And then beyond that is the human experience, which is going to carry the breadth of human emotion. I love that analogy of the home. I'm going to steal that blatantly from you. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'm not going to try to people please around it. I'm just going to be straightforward. I'm going to steal it. And please give me credit. <laughs> I'll put a little asterisk whenever I okay, say it. Okay, great. So my listeners love tips. So I'm hoping you have a couple of kind of bottom line tips to leave us with as sure. we close out today. Yes, Absolutely. So something that can be really helpful, whether it is in your career life or in your personal life, is to get down to business on where I might need to start speaking up or where I tend to people please and it's not serving me. So no matter what area of your life, take an inventory of who you chronically complain about, but you complain about them to the wrong party. So if you're furious at your boss, you're, you come home chronically and your partner gets an earful or <laughs> you're so frustrated with your sister, but it's your mom who gets the earful. So maybe you are being vocal. You're just being vocal to the wrong person and you're doing it about something you have not broached with that individual mm, yet. Okay. So usually what we can do is target either somebody we're complaining about constantly <laughs> or our emotions, how disgruntled we feel, how upset we feel. We can usually target those two things as entry points and go, okay, a boundary needs to be established here, or here's where I need to maybe knock it off with the people pleasing. So that's the first thing. Get yourself an inventory. Start figuring out, because again, to your point earlier, I don't want to lock myself into victimhood where I'm just complain all the time. Now I'm just a complainer. Mm -hmm. I would rather be somebody who takes action on things. That's number one. Number two, is when you notice that you have people pleased, take a moment for reflection and ask yourself, am I being motivated right now from self-preservation or am I outsourcing my self-worth? And take a little time to think about that. Sometimes it's a bit of both, but that starts to clue you in on what decisions am I making like your two-step decision process. And are they in service of me, right? Is this uh -huh. catering to my, my self-worth? And then finally, something that we danced around a little bit is using the words I choose. Mm. 
So one of the things that we talk about a lot is what we can't do. I can't tell him that. I can't ask her for a raise. I can't just leave. Okay, great. Can't, in my in my version of reality, re- responds to something that's not humanly possible. I cannot sprout wings out of my back and go fly around the neighborhood. It's not humanly possible. What we're usually saying is, I won't. Yes. I won't quit the job. I won't ask for the divorce. I won't ask for the raise. So what we have to get really clear on so that we're not locking ourselves into a victim of a role, is this a matter of can't or won't? My husband always says, throw it in the trash can't. <laughs> because it's not going to work. I like but your husband, start, by the way, already. He's the best. He really is the best. But start saying to yourself, I choose to stay in this position for these other reasons. Mm-hmm. Or I choose to stay in contact with this person for this reason. Because so much of the time we lock ourselves into this idea that we don't have a choice. What we have are two crappy choices usually. <laughs> yeah. So you do, you do have a choice, but which one are you going to choose? And, and this goes for so many different situations. If you choose to Netflix all day long instead of organizing your garage, say that. I choose this Mm -hmm. so that you are standing in that power instead of going, oh, I just don't have motivation or what's wrong with me. No, I'm choosing this. And maybe next weekend I will choose the garage organization. (laughs) But yeah, so it can be layered all across your life. So those are my three for you. Love them. Love them. This has been fantastic. And I really like, and I hope for the listeners, it's been a framing of Thinking about situations in their life where people-pleasing is actually advantageous to them, and then along with that, not beating themselves up for staying in that job where they're getting their bachelor's degree or they're getting that credential or staying in that relationship for this very specific reason. So tell the listeners how they can find you. Sure. So my little corner of the internet is amygreensmith.com. And you, if you go to, you'll see a little section. Actually, if you just go to amygreensmith.com slash free, there's a bunch of free gifts for you. There's a workbook over there. I am a bit of a swear bear. So just be forewarned, but I'm also not interested in people pleasing. So I will not change it if you ask me to. You know what, Amy? The only reason I don't swear, because I am a swear bear. I, I've heard that term, but I'll take it, is <laughs> that I don't want to fool with the I don't know how the whole, the not editing, what's it, what's it called? The, the, yeah, the where they bleep. And I don't like listening to podcasts where clearly they needed to have set the podcast up differently because every third word is bleeped. And I'm like, we all know you're cussing and why right. isn't it allowed? And, and why are you set up that way? I don't know how to do that. And so I've just decided not to cuss <laughs> so that I don't have yeah. to worry about whatever, whatever that's called. I keep wanting to say ratings. What is it called? It's censored. Yes, censored. Content. Sensor, oh, con- yeah, sensor. Yeah, it's it. It may be laziness. I'm not sure. I'll get back with you on that. <laughs> but I thank you so much for this conversation, and I'm sure the listeners are going to. It's going to be food for thought. I want them to. I hope that they percolate on this for days after they listen to it, and and get in touch with you and find out more about what you do as well. Oh, I would love that. And thanks so much for just such a great conversation, Lisa. I've had you, a blast. 
You are most welcome. Y'all take care and I will see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.